The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, changes to Section 253 of the Criminal Code of Canada took effect in December, and under the new law, police officers no longer need to have a reasonable suspicion that a driver had consumed alcohol. But Canada's revised laws on impaired driving could see police demand breath samples from people in bars, restaurants, even at home. If you say no, you could be arrested, face a criminal record, ordered to pay a fine, and subjected to a driving suspension. It's an aspect of the change to Section 253 that many Canadians, likely you listening right now, are completely unaware of. And yes, Jalen said, you're home. We're joined now by Paul Doroshenko. He's a criminal defense lawyer with Acumen Law in Vancouver who specializes in impaired driving cases. Hi, Paul. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know what, Paul? I know we're going to get there anyways, so let me put words in your mouth for a second. <laughs> Is it fair to say this change gives police officers sweeping powers that border on a serious erosion of civil liberties? Oh, I, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what the courts say. I mean, I can't believe that they that they passed this. It's almost like nobody read the legislation. You wonder if they even thought about it for a minute. You wonder sometimes, don't you, Paul? I, I, maybe you don't. I don't know. But i would never seen anything quite like this. And sometimes I wonder if they consulted with a lawyer. I mean, you, you know what I mean? Like, you just go... Who drafted this, and how did everyone miss it? Yeah, I mean, now as it is, the current law on the books is that the offense is no longer being over 80 milligrams when you were driving. It's being over 80 milligrams two hours after driving. So So it's after only, Paul, and not before, right? Like, I can't... No, 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 it's after driving. So, you know, you can decide to go to the cake tonight, and maybe your spouse is going to drive you home, and you get there, and you have a couple of shots, and you run into a police officer in the cake um, who saw you driving there. Uh, and uh, sees that, you know, you may be over 80 milligrams, they might uh, have you blow into a roadside breath tester at that point, having a, you know, suspicion that you've got alcohol in your body and you drove three hours earlier. Um, not, not that you had alcohol in your body at the time you drove. Uh, and they can have reasonable and probable grounds to conclude that you committed the offense of having alcohol over 80 milligrams in your body within two hours after driving. An arrest, you take you back charge convicted the full monty so that's plain, crazy it is crazy so playing devil's advocate here a little bit and, and trust me it's tough yeah <laughs> i know um so i'm thinking that the hole they were attempting to plug was the defense uh that would entail an individual who was say being had been spotted by police driving erratically they had reasonable suspicion that he'd been drinking and driving or was over the uh, legal limit they're trying to plug the hole i would assume that he doesn't dash into his house or a bar and start consuming alcohol so that there's an argument as to when he was put over the legal limit there's two holes they were trying to plug the first, that's one of them, and I'll, I'll give you a little bit better uh, explanation of it in a minute. But the first hole they were trying to plug is what's called bolus drinking, which is, you know, you have just been uh, awarded the, uh, the um, award as being the, the top admiral at, uh, at Gull Lake's uh, regatta. <laughs> and you had a glass of wine there, and then just before you leave, somebody gives you a two-ounce shot. And you drive ten minutes back to your cabin, um, and you're stopped you know, a minute from your cabin, that alcohol hasn't been absorbed in your body yet. You're like maybe 40 milligrams or 30 milligrams, but they take you back to the uh, local RCMP detachment. You blow, you blow 90. Uh, you had a defense before, the bolus drinking defense. Now you don't because the offense is just being over 80 at any time after driving. Anytime they test you, you're over 80 at the time they test you, right? So that's getting rid of that one, which is 
you know, unfortunate that there it almost never comes up. In 19 years I've been doing this, I've never had a bolus drinking defense that I wanted to run. Um, the um, <laughs> it's just a, it's so rare, but it's like. We're, we're scared of the boogeyman, so we're going to build a boogeyman fence. You know, let me stop <laughs> um, there before you go to the second one, the one that I brought up. That seems like a legitimate defense to me. Well, that's the point. It is a legitimate defense, but like it doesn't mean that it is a completely legitimate defense. But it doesn't mean that the justice minister likes it, that people have these defenses. It doesn't mean that the, that the RCMP like it or that Mothers Against Drunk Driving like it. Um, they, they, it is the boogeyman. They're worried that this is suddenly one day going to be a rash of people who have this defense i mean it just it almost never happens i've had i've defended at least five thousand cases or been involved in at least five thousand in the course of my career uh, there's one time that i saw it that it was a reasonable thing to conclude but it wasn't even something we needed to run in the defense because there was other problems mm. uh, it just doesn't happen but if it happens once you know, a memo goes out uh, from a prosecutor, it goes to the RCMP lab, all of these people are notified, there's a bunch of officers who are angry, it gets up to the justice minister, you know, who didn't really like impaired driving cases back when she was a prosecutor here in Vancouver, and, you know, here we've got this now. Um, and the second circumstance, we call the Monty Robinson uh, in Vancouver. It was uh, Monty Robinson was one of the officers who was involved in the, the Chiskansky uh, killing at the mm-hmm. airport. He also um, drove, caused an accident where a person was either badly injured or killed. I can't remember. And he ran from the scene and went and pounded back some liquor, thinking he was providing himself with, his, with a defense. It's also like the Boston legal uh, defense. It's the sort of the legendary one that the writers in... in um, and uh, for TV shows, it's the only one they know. Uh, so it tends to come up in TV uh, law dramas. Um, it, it, in Monty Robinson's case, he was convicted of obstruction of justice, and he got a very harsh sentence, a much harsher sentence than he would have got, uh, probably if he had just stayed and participated with the investigation, which is appropriate in my view. We had a way to deal with it before. It's called obstruction of justice. If people are trying to uh, undermine the reliability of the uh, of the breath samples or, or blood samples, as the case may be, on the basis of consuming alcohol after the fact and before they're going to be tested. That's obstruction of justice. So we had that. But in their attempt to patch up those two things here, uh, you know, they wrote a piece of legislation that uh, criminalizes anybody who is over 80 at two hours after. And it doesn't just have to be two hours after because they wrote in a formula that lets them add 10 milligrams to your reading every hour after that. Wait a minute. Explain that to me. I d- I'm not yeah. sure I followed that. So say you're four hours after. The police yeah. get, have got you back to the detachment now. It's four hours after you drove, and you provide a sample at 60 milligrams and 100 milliliters of blood. Right. Okay. So you're not 80 milligrams. They can add 10 milligrams per hour back to that window of two hours. So... You know, even if you were at 50, they can go back to, uh, they can add 10 milligrams an hour to bring you back up to 80. To, to a maximum of what, four hours? No, to, there's no, there's, there's no, no, there's no maximum. No, I mean, it could be hours and hours later. Is it, it was pointed out at, in, um, at the Senate, I think it was Michael Spratt, who's a lawyer in Ottawa, was sitting beside uh, my colleague, Kyle Lee, who said, uh, your provision lets you start at zero and going eight hours back to get them to 80 milligrams well, in a two-hour window. Exactly. So they changed that. They changed that to make it so you had to have at least 20 milligrams of alcohol in your Okay, there has to be a starting well, point. I, I know, but I mean, imagine that, so. 20 milligrams. First of all, we all know that 
none of these instruments are reliable when you get to really low readings like that. Uh, secondly, like you're going to start adding back hours and hours and just like applying some formula that applies to most people but not everybody. Like they also made it interestingly enough, so it's no longer over 80 milligrams anymore. It's now 80 milligrams and over, mm. and that's an interesting thing because yeah. when the machine does its self-test, it will report to itself and report to the user, like this is the breathalyzer at the detachment, will report to the user that it's done its self-test and it's found that there's no alcohol inside of it, that it's at zero. But it will report as zero even at like eight or nine milligrams. <laughs> and then you've got the person who, who's blowing and every one of us, our blood, uh, what you're getting on that reading is not what your blood is. You're getting something that's within a range of what your blood is. It's not what your blood is because every one of us is different and, and what we call the, the breath-blood ratio changes with you over time, uh, over the quality and type of like how you breathe um, and um, the time after you consumed your alcohol. So it's designed for the average person at the average time, which is you know, like they tested 40 people and said, okay, well, 2,100 to 1 is about right, but it, you could be 1,700 to 1 to 2,400 to 1, which means you could be at 60 and below 80. You know what, Paul? It's interesting because I know this has come up a, a couple of times, and we just had a text uh, in from Red Deer as well. It says, so basically, if someone has a hate on for you, a neighbor, council person, my wife, they know you have a beer while watching the game, they could probably call you in. It, c- it could set up for some vindictive behavior. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't see officers being foolish about vindictive behavior. I do see officers being um, enthusiastic about applying their new provisions under the criminal code because you are committing an offense if you're over 80 after driving. There's a defense you can advance in court. It's a complex and probably impossible defense for most people to make out, but there's a defense you can advance in court to say I was sitting at my kitchen table uh, drinking and I had nothing to drink before then, but that's only after you've been charged and everything. Mm -hmm. So we'll see whether or not, you know, how the police apply it. Um, I'm I'm sure most officers who are looking at this now are scratching their heads wondering why we've criminalized uh, people after they drove. Um, What are you hearing from police forces about it? Well, the police officers that I talked to, we talked to a lot of them here in Vancouver because we do a lot of traffic court. Um, and uh, most of the officers, with respect to the arbitrary uh, breath test provisions, don't want to do it. Um, they are still trying to obtain uh, a reasonable suspicion that the person's got alcohol in their body. Lots of reasons for that. Some of them think, look at it and think it's just unconstitutional, and I would rather do it in a manner that's constitutional. Some of them are... Uh, are greatly concerned about um, detaining people unlawfully. Mm-hmm. Some of them just don't like it. Uh, I don't think many of them have turned their minds to this part, mm-hmm. um, but we will see it happen. Um, you know, it's uh, especially in smaller towns. I just think of like a, years ago I was in uh, uh, St. Paul, mm-hmm. and you know, the police in small towns come walking into the bar. Yeah, they yeah. saw you drive there, they come walking in the bar, they're wandering around the bar, hey, how you doing? They can come to the conclusion that you're over 80 milligrams, arrest you, detain you, take you back to the detachment, have you blow for being over 80 within two hours after driving. But, you know, Paul, uh, <laughs> listen, I'm not a lawyer, and I know we're coming at this from the same angle, but in any law courses I took back in university 30-some years ago, and everybody knows the burden of proof is always on the crown. 
but no, but it is not in this case. The burden of proof now is on the accused. Well, for the longest time, we've had a presumption of guilt with over 08, okay? You provide a sample that's 80 milligrams and up, and it's within the two-hour window. It's presumed that that's where you were at the time you drove. So we've had a, a reverse onus there. You could undermine that a uh, number of ways, but it's, it's, uh, they've slowly chipped away at the methods that you could attack it because they've been claiming that their devices are, are um, 100% reliable, which they're not. But in any event, so they chipped that away. But in this case, um, they've taken it away entirely. You are guilty of that offense. You must advance the defense to show these other things. Two things. You must, you must prove both of them. You must prove you had no reasonable expectation that a police officer was going to be asking you to provide a sample. I, I don't know how you do that. I mean, if you went five kilometers or ten kilometers an hour over the speed limit driving home, you probably have a reasonable expectation. I don't know. Um, but you've got to prove that and... You have to call evidence and prove what your blood alcohol concentration would be at the time of driving and what you drank and what it, the, that the reading was accurate considering what you had to drink. So you have to call a toxicologist. You have well, to good testify luck. by yourself. You've got, it's, it is yeah. an impossible... No, that would be an impossible... Because, you know, when any time a citizen tries to use science in any way whatsoever, or engineering, or physics, or anything else, judges just get annoyed and, dis, you know, just stop. You know, there's, there's, there's lots of reasons why that is just an impossible burden on a person. Yeah. But it's, it's also switching the burden of proof. It's no longer that they have to prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt. They have a presumption that you're guilty. So, Paul, let me ask you this. And I could, honest to God, I could talk to you all afternoon. So, another scenario for you. Uh, and as the law stands now, and, and as the law stands under this, uh, this part hasn't changed. I refuse to blow. It carries the same penalty as though I blew over, right? It's worse now. Uh, the fine went up. It's $2,000 for refusing and $1,000 if you've got a, a blood alcohol concentration that's just over 80 milligrams. Okay. So it's actually a higher fine for refusing. What if I refuse to answer the door? Yeah, that's what we were wondering about. Well, that's a, that's a very interesting scenario. Um, Tim Foster, a uh, lawyer in Calgary, who's a very smart guy, uh, tweeted back at me that, you know, the police are never kicking your door in. Uh, we've had cases where the police have gone into people's houses and kick your door in as a more of a metaphor. Uh, but most Canadians are very polite and invite the police into their living rooms, uh, having no idea what they're 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 doing to themselves. Um, if the police have uh, grounds to conclude, uh, reasonable and probable grounds to conclude you've committed an offense, you're arrestable. So if you're arrestable, you know if they've got a, a if you're arrestable, even if you're in your house, uh, they can come and arrest you. And few people would take issue with that if you know if the police think that you committed murder just because you got into your house doesn't mean they have to go get a warrant uh you know it's an indictable offense and they hmm. can go in there and arrest you and it's it's uh, you know similarly here um you know it's a hybrid offense for impaired driving it can be prosecuted as indictment or 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 uh, summarily uh you know you you may be arrestable and the other thing is we have this exigent circumstances principle where the police can come into your home or you know uh, conduct a, a search without a warrant in certain circumstances where they believe um, that there are reasons to do it that a warrant would not be uh, possible and and you know part of that test is whether or not the evidence is going to disappear uh, is the evidence going to disappear when it's in your body you're going to eliminate it from so I, I, I expect that to play out um, at some point when and it, and it probably won't happen unless it's like a hit and run investigation or something like that but I expect yeah. it to play out in one of these cases, whether or not the police are uh, 
are you know coming in without a warrant in other cases is a seems unlikely. Paul, we're almost out of time here, but before we let you go, is there anything that that we can do? Uh, we're all you know ticked off about this now. Is there anything we can do about this law now that it's on the books? Well, I, I don't think you can drink uh, <laughs> or you can't drive. It's one of the two because um, those are those. You know, I sat down last night and decided I was going to have a beer about an hour and a half after I got home. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I read about this back when the legislation was there, and we went to Parliament to present, but this was not the main issue that you know everybody else was so concerned about so we wanted to deal with our issue of the mandatory test um i, I don't know I just, so we'll have to wait I as canadians no advice, we'll have to wait for this to be struck down on appeal then well and that's the thing how what parts of it are going to be struck down you know it used to be the supreme court of canada it seems would strike things down um and now they seem to just write tests that eliminate things um you know we saw that with the last time that there was a drinking driving legislation was before before the Supreme Court. It took four years for the last one to make it there before wow. we got up. Crazy. Paul, Paul Doroshenko with uh, Acumen Law in Vancouver joining us this afternoon. Thank you, yeah, for, thank, you, uh, the, uh, thank you for the information. We really appreciate it. Nice to speak with you. Take care now. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.